0: my husband sent me a text message um, and it was literally just a link to a, a Kijiji ad for a used white cargo van and he's the like the thinker and the planner in the relationship and I'm just the willing accomplice and so we had been watching like YouTube videos where people had been trying out van life but like it was always like a, oh, that's kind of cool. And then when I got this email, this link via text message for a used cargo van, I was like, oh, oh, this is like escalated from fun YouTube watching <laughs> to like potential projects.
1: Hey, uh, the good people. Welcome to season two of Outside the Classroom. I feel good. Just the fact that I said I was going to do a second season, and I'm doing it. So, uh, yay! Plus one for commitment for me. And uh, maybe there'll be even more seasons. But let's just let's just focus on this one. So we have ten episodes coming up, and today's episode one is with Miss Tara McLaughlin from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Who uh, has been a longtime colleague and friend of mine, uh, super creative, um, instructional coach, uh, consultant, uh, remote teacher, a high school English teacher. She's got a lot of credentials, which she'll share, but um, she's also incredibly uh, creative. And her and her husband um, embarked on an adventure. Um, last year that I followed and I follow her on Instagram and I was fascinated by it and knew that this season would include a conversation with her and her husband and their uh, journey from going from zero to if you might say 100 in the RV van conversion world uh, which has become super popular in the last couple of years and so uh, here is my conversation with Tara McLaughlin. Just give us a little uh, background, Tara, of you as an educator, first of all. So what's your education story?
0: Okay. Um, So I was and I am a um, high school English language arts teacher. Um, And I was in the classroom for probably about, uh, I want to say like 15-ish years uh, when an opportunity came up to uh, work in our professional staff development center as a coordinator And I was originally hired into that position because I had been doing some things with technology in my classroom. And that's how you and I kind of, I came connected through like Darren Kirpatwa and Andy McKeel and Joan, uh, Joan Badger, now McCutcheon. Um, And so that's when, how I kind of got into that position. But then uh, the division's like, hey, you've got a literacy background. We should probably take advantage of that. So over the years, my job has kind of morphed um, out of technology and more into literacy with some, some forays into deep learning um, and then moved from being a coordinator to a literacy coach, and then last year the pandemic hit, and the division was responsible for providing remote learning to students who'd been medically advised to learn from home. And I'm sort of of the frame of mind that it's better that you volunteer for the job that you want than get assigned to that a job that you don't want. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll teach remote learning. Like that sounds like fun. I've never taught grade eight before, but how much different is grade eight from grade nine? Like really. Uh, And so last year I taught grade A uh, remote learning uh, ELA uh, for the whole year and it was transformative. It was like, it was such an important part of my sort of teaching path, my teaching journey. I learned so much from it. Um, And then in the meantime was also still kind of doing some literacy coaching stuff connected to our provincial remote learning school that had kind of finally gotten up and running in the second half of school year. So that's kind of like what I've been doing, but the, you know, the path moves and, and turns in different directions, depending on all sorts of things in life that kind of nudge you down that road. And I guess my husband just got tired of being the only person at the table who wasn't a teacher. And he's like, well, that seems rewarding. Uh, And so he, he ends up going into um, the vocational teacher program at Red River College here in Manitoba and has uh, since become a high school vocational teacher in the area of electrical and carpentry which weighed um, quite heavily into some of our decisions that came next in terms right. of.
1: Right. Okay. <laughs> well, and that, that's some background that I didn't have, but what I, what I have in, you know, you mentioned, you and I being connected for a number of years and, and uh, you know, I've always been a uh, admirer of your work. And I remember very distinctly an ignite talk that you gave called, I like big books and I cannot lie where you did these 10, uh, 15 second book reviews. And it was still one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Nike talks, and you've always been really good about uh, sharing all kinds of uh, you know lesson ideas and so forth uh, on your blog and through social media. So uh, always know that you you know and you know you're obviously a very creative person and and uh, uh, that's that's been evident. But you know as I follow you on Instagram, just because you know so you're somebody I follow, I didn't follow you and then see this project that you and your husband uh, went into. It's like oh Tara's doing something really interesting. And so, do you want to tell me about the really interesting thing that you started in? Uh, I'm—I I guess it was spring of 2020, but maybe it started before that. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So in uh, February of last year, so 2021—is that what that? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah my husband sent me a text message um, and it was literally just a link to a, a Kijiji ad for a used white cargo van and he's the like the thinker and the planner in the relationship and I'm just the willing accomplice and so we had been watching like YouTube videos where people had been trying out van life but like it was always like, a, oh, that's kind of cool. And then when I got this email, this link via text message for a used cargo van, I was like, oh, oh, this is like escalated from fun YouTube watching to like potential projects. Uh, and he's like, you know, we're just, we're just gonna go and take a look at it. It's out in Winkler, Manitoba. It's a nice drive. We haven't left the house in like, I don't know, however long. And I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, let's do that. Um, and at that point, uh, things just escalated quickly. So within a week, we were the proud owners of a, a used cargo van, a Ram ProMaster with 240,000 kilometers on it. But it was a diesel, so I'm told that that, yeah. was, that was okay because Fact, it's got true. a diesel motor. Um, and uh, and then from there, yeah, we just kind of continued down the road of like, okay, what what can we do with this? And my husband, as I said, a vocational teacher, electrical is sort of like his his vocational area, but as with many high school teachers kind of get thrown a couple sections to fill up their uh, timetable. And so he was thrown some carpentry and had to learn really fast. And this became the ultimate project for which to learn all the skills necessary uh, for, for being a carpentry teacher, because I mean, We made everything in that van from scratch. We made the butcher block countertops from, you know, cherry wood, raw cherry wood. The ceiling slats were ripped down from cherry wood. All Like everything was made from scratch that that could be. So it became a a really great opportunity for him to uh, test his carpentry skills and to fine tune them. Uh, in a way that he might not have had otherwise. And I think in many ways, you mentioned teachers kind of being all consumed by their job. I think that the van was very much an escape from like this distress of teaching in a pandemic and like just not wanting to talk about it anymore and wanting to have something else you could throw all of your energy into, you fall into the YouTube vortex, watch all the videos, go online, look at all the supplies. And so it really became a, a, a happy distraction for both of us, I would say.
1: Well, and, and you became the unofficial documenter yeah. of of the work. And I, but I also know you, d- you made some other contributions as well. But so that's interesting when you, because again, I didn't, I didn't realize that was your husband's um, uh, teaching area, which that makes sense. But also the fact that you said carpentry really wasn't. That was just sort of like, and I'm sure, you know, unlike myself, he probably had some, predisposition and skills towards this. However, I guess when I see these things, because it's like cooking shows and all kinds of other things. People love to watch this from a voyeuristic perspective, right? Like, wouldn't it be cool to be able to make this awesome meal? And there's, because there's lots of people who watch cooking shows, but never cook. Yeah, There's lots of people who watch van reconstruction and have no interest, but really think it's a cool thing, which I would be one of those. So what, to what degree though, did he and you, um rely on the YouTube as such as a place to like okay how might we do this part of it because you said you did really start from scratch
0: oh yeah YouTube was I would say an absolutely huge component in terms of our learning curve Um, it because there's a a video for everything and and we're lucky in the sense that he sort of has that electrical background so he could look at somebody's van build videos and look at their electrical and be like hmm I don't trust their professional opinion on this or not so professional opinion on this. And so he could kind of use that to filter through all the different things, but all the van life videos about like 10 things I love in my van, 10 things I hate in my van. You got a really quick idea in terms of like, what are the negotiables and the non-negotiables in your van life. And these things are very polarizing, even when you mention them to people in the real life, like there are so many people in my family who can't believe that for an entire summer, I went to the bathroom in the same space as my husband, (laughs) you know, and they're like, everything? I'm like, everything, everything happens inside the van. He's like four feet in that direction and I'm gazing out the window while I sit on my toilet, you know, and do the things that humans do. (laughs) So it's funny how, how polarizing certain things are in terms of what your build is and what people have opinions and perspectives on. Um, and how you don't really know what your opinions or perspectives are until you build the van and then you use it, which we used ours for 54 days all summer long. There was like a brief three day break in the middle of the summer where we came home, did laundry and threw out all the stuff that we, not threw it out, but like tossed it out, put it back in the house. The stuff yeah. we knew we didn't, we didn't need because it was taking up too much space. So yeah, YouTube was like the, the place to start and it still is. We still go back to that honey hole because van life has exploded since then. And there's yeah. still more and more content being created. So we still go back there and take a look at things and look for updates and ideas and inspiration.
1: So start to finish from the first time you started the, the reno part of it till the time you were, okay, let's go on the road or whenever you ready. How long was
0: that? Um, so we renovated all of March, April and May, and we were on the road by Canada day, which if you like outsource your van build to a professional, that would be a tight timeline for a yeah. professional. So to well, think, especially that, now. yeah, to think that we did that from scratch as novices is pretty amazing and worked full time. Like we were both teaching in right. a pandemic at that point. So
1: what would you say? Um, Cause it's like, so the house we live in now is one that we built and my wife essentially designed it. And, you know, it was a lot of years of looking at design and it's, I don't know if we'll ever, maybe we'll build another house, but I don't maybe not to either, you know, there's always like you build it. And then it's like, ah, crap, wish we would have done this. Now my wife would say that rel- in general, we did a pretty good job, but there definitely were a couple things that like, ah, oh, that was not, we would do it again. I wouldn't do this. So what were those things for you in terms of the van?
0: Um, I would think that the first one would have to be our bed situation, which is actually one of those polarizing topics in in, in van land. So people are either of the fixed bed where it's always just a bed in the back or the like U-shaped dinette that you have to convert at night back. And so um, we went with the U-shaped dinette. uh, And what we did is like, we we wanted the back side to be kind of deeper so that it was more like a day bed, but we underestimated how wide we needed the side benches to be. So by the time you put your cushion behind you, you are kind of just, Perched up on the edge, there wasn't a lot of like room for your butt, so to speak, when you're pushing back. So that's one thing we knew for sure that we w- we would like to change, um, uh, and we're kind of keeping in mind as we move forward. Um, and so that's kind of one thing. But I think otherwise, like the the only things that we would have wanted to change were were things that weren't kind of in our realm of affordability at that point in time. Like it was always nice to maybe be in a slightly newer vehicle because ours was an older vehicle with more kilometers on it. And of course we didn't even make it to Regina before we were in a dealership to get our <laughs> air conditioning fixed. So like, the, but they're also like, you know there are things you have to trade off in order to make the the, the dream a reality. But there are very few things that, that I think ultimately we'd want to change. Um, uh, and now I like I haven't really said much on social media, but we did end up selling our van. We sold yeah, it in that. September um, to uh, a lovely uh, Manitoba couple, a doctor and partner. And so they're they're off, you know, exploring the world in it. And um, it made sense at that point to sell it because we weren't going to be using it all winter long. Um, and then we got like three or four months into the year and we're like, mm kind of bored, like we could really use another project. So we did start looking for another van, but between van life exploding and Amazon coming in and basically clearing out the cargo market across Canada, van prices, like we paid $20,000 for our for our cargo van. You could not get that cargo van at that price now. A used cargo van of that age with those kilometers is gonna be like at least 40, dollars yeah. dollars now. Right. So we knew we couldn't find the van. We looked and looked and looked for another used one and we couldn't. And we're like, okay, the universe is telling us it's not meant to be. We're going to have to make other plans for the summer. So we're like, you know what, we're going to put an above ground swimming pool in. So we went out and we put a deposit on an above ground swimming pool. And that lasted like a month before we're like, no, this is not us. If we're going to put the money into something, it's going to be into another van. So we did end up getting our deposit back from our above ground swimming pool and then going to the, um, the dealership, the Dodge dealership and putting the deposit down on a brand new cargo van that has like, you know, all the things we originally would have wanted in the first one. Like the first one didn't have air conditioning or it didn't have um, cruise control. This one does. It's got the factory swivel seats. It's got a package in it specifically for people who are building, building vans inside there. Um, like RV type situations. So we're very excited about that. But it's still quite tenuous because of the way the van market is like we, we put that money down in March, we still don't know if we're going to get a van or when we're going to get a van. But our basement is full of supplies, like I've got windows and toilets and fridges and flooring so we've cool. got all the all the supplies stockpiled ready for the part of the project we just don't know when the van's showing up so
1: you may be able to turn that around in less than three months at this rate Of
0: i think we could just have, like,
1: having the experience and then oh, actually having everything with you
0: i think in my husband's dream world the van would miraculously arrive for him to tinker on in july and then we'd be right. able to go in august but part of me doesn't want to rush the project either and I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I don't think yeah. we're going to see that down until like September at the earliest, but I don't want to rush the project either. Like part of the fun was marinating in it and doing the updates, yeah. and making you doing your work and sitting back and looking at it. And
1: well, that was a sense I got just from watching your posts is like, obviously yeah, we're kind of having a blast actually building the thing. And I mean, I know there'd be a lot of people just like people that flip houses, right? That like, yeah, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that's what you're going to do, but you could see someone just saying, yeah, I just like. I just like doing this, and then I'll sell it because it's it's just fun to to see what other I can build. I watch my I watch my four year old daughter, a granddaughter, uh, you know, set up her little house and things like that. Like her fun is in the setting up; it's not actually playing with it. Like it's just the getting it. That the setting it up is the fun part, right? So I saw that. Now the difference is, you guys did do this fifty four day road trip where, uh, if I get this right, you started and you went all the way to the west coast. And you came back and you went all the way to the East coast. So you covered all of Canada, which for people, uh, US listeners in particular, um, I I used to be one that thought, well, Canada and the US, like they go like this. So it's just vertical lines, uh, parallel lines, but they don't, they go like this. So Mm -hmm. East to West in Canada is significantly more than what people think of a New York to LA five hour flight. If there was such a thing as a, how a St. John's to Victoria flight, that would be like a nine hour flight. Yeah. It's, it's significant. So tell me about that, that the experience of being a now, cause were you an RVer before that? Like, had you done, what was your camping experience going into this?
0: Like I, as a child had camp, like tent camping experience. Um, and I worked at a girl guide camp. Like I can, I can pitch a dome tent by myself in like under 10 minutes. Like I have those kinds of skills but Liam and I, my husband and I have very minimal camping experience together. Um, we'd always thought that maybe for retirement, we would like to get an RV and do like a lot of the, you know, North American kind of touring across Canada and then go down to the States and then maybe go down to like Mexico and do like the Baja Peninsula that kind of thing. But that was like a future retirement goal. It wasn't anything that was that was an immediate plan. So obviously the van kind of like bumped it up and we sort of saw it as training wheels for retirement life. You know, if, if we couldn't, if it didn't feel comfortable doing it on our vacation, right. then there's no way we were going to be able to spend our retirement doing it. So, um, so. And it was like almost immediately, aside from, you know, an unexpected stop in Regina to get our air conditioning fixed, it was almost immediately like, It was amazing. It was just, even when it was bad, it was amazing. (laughs) And so it very much kind of affirmed that this is, this is a passion of ours and this is what we want to do. And we went west because first, because that's what everybody does. Um, But the problem with going west is that everybody does it. So you go there and like you're surrounded by more Manitobans than when you were in Manitoba, because everybody goes to the mountains, right? And so we really enjoyed our trip to to like the West Coast, but we wanted to like I would argue that if you don't get off the number one highway, you never actually see Canada. Um, The number one highway, especially West, is like the worst way to see Canada. And like there are so many beautiful parts of like Saskatchewan and Alberta that are kind of down in the south that have this amazing, amazing geography. Uh, that are relatively unexplored that you can kind of get there and be by yourself and and enjoy the nature but then ultimately once you hit the mountains you kind of hit you know the the super touristy spots and the further west you go the more a common van life is um and the harder it is to find free camping because we only paid to camp like a handful of times across Canada and only out of necessity uh like if we were in big cities or something right so once you go west and you kind of get into the mountains and you get into BC, van life is more obvious. There's less free spots to, to camp um, and you kind of have to be a little bit more strategic.
1: So then when you when you come back and you do a wax sack of laundry and everything else to get ready to go east, um, certainly a different experience. But uh, just even in terms of what we learned about van life in our first foray, did Uh, was did that make the the trip out east better easier
0: yeah I mean we had gone west um before so it was familiar territory um and we have family out there so if everything fell apart we knew we would have some place to land uh and I think we really had an opportunity to just kind of test out what do we like to do like do we like to do free camping do we like to do paid camping Um, Like, how often do we have to empty the toilet? How often do we have to fill up on water? How important is it to be able to shower on a regular basis? Um, All those kinds of things. And so once we knew that like, yeah, we've got a rhythm and we have a whole month of summer left, like we might as well just stop off at home and then kind of get rid of the extra weight of things that we didn't need and head East. And at this point, all I have to say to people in Canada is like, go East, go East, it's like, Northern Ontario, beautiful, very similar sort of like mountainous experience. Beautiful lakes, great free camping, and it's not nearly as crowded or as busy as going going into BC and seeing all the spots there. So that's one of our favorites that we said we'd always want to return to. Um, and then because you know we'd never really done a lot of that sort of eastern travel, we did go into like Quebec and Montreal. Um, on the way home, we hit Toronto. Um, but even like Nova Scotia, gorgeous Prince Edward right. Island retirement dreams. Um, we wanted to do Newfoundland Labrador. Um, the ferry system to get there is quite quirky. Um, and by the time we had sort of decided we wanted to go, it was horrendously expensive to get us and our van um, on the ferry. And when and we were literally in the, ter- the ferry terminal and we're like, are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? Are we going to spend the money? And we're like, yeah we're going to do it. We're going to spend the money. And we turned around and some guy walked up behind us and got the second last passenger seat. So the woman's like, well, one of you in the van could get on the ferry, but I don't know what the other person's <laughs> going to do. So we didn't get there, but that's like number one on our, our ideally next summer bucket list is to do Newfoundland Labrador. That's kind of our dream.
1: So a couple more questions. Um, one, it, is there any kind of, uh, you know, you, you've certainly referenced it probably if people can glean a lot but is there any sort of like this would be my tip for people who are thinking about this or wondering about this like what would you kind of say to somebody who says oh i've always wanted to do this but i wasn't sure
0: yeah i mean i'm torn there because i'm contradictory part of me would say like do it if you want to do it do it it's awesome but then the other part of me knows the market for all of this right now and i'd be like "Ooh, i mean waiting would be a good idea right. You're just trying to get your hands on an rv or anything like that right now yeah. is really expensive, but like getting out and seeing Canada is amazing. And I have to say like, when we left Winnipeg to head west first, that was right when um, a lot of the news around Canada's residential schools was really sort of surfacing. Um, And we're starting to find out about the the unmarked graves. And I think it's really hard to drive across Canada and not, not have to interact with what that means to be a Canadian and how that impacts your your view of Canada. So like, even when we went to, we were in Saskatchewan and in the prairies and you'd pull up to a prairie town and it's very typical prairie architecture except for that one very historical stone building that seems of context and you start to wonder like, what's the stone building? Or when we were driving um, on the island um, and every kilometer somebody had hung a red dress in the trees uh, as a reminder. And so it's just, for me, it was amazing to sort of drive across, you know, Canada, I mean, we ended up in Ottawa, too, and there was there was the, the small shoes in front of the flame in front of the Parliament. And so as we were driving across Canada, I, I was just kind of sorting through all of that, you know, and what does it mean to, to, to live on this land and to love this land and to respect the land, I mean, that's a huge part of van life too, is whose land is it? Can I park here? How do I exist here respectfully? How do I get water in a way that's respectful? How do I dump things in a way that's respectful, you know, dispose of things? So I think it was for me, like, it was a very, like, to me, it was an act of reconciliation in many ways that I, I, like, as we were driving, my husband and I were having these conversations around the things we were hearing and the things that we were seeing, and just trying to process, like, what what does this mean to be Canadian and how how can I how can I how can I be responsible and how can I how can I just process this in a way that's authentic and, and purposeful and I don't know.
1: well that's yeah that, what, a, what a lovely uh thought uh and and again I hadn't thought about <clears throat> that conversation in terms of like understanding the diversity of Canada just just geographically right like it's pretty it, it's 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 quite different you know here to there and w- what binds us together and you know just h- how do we you know live in that sort of first nations tradition of respecting the land and 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 enjoying it right and respecting it enjoying it which is is we haven't always done that and so uh, that's such a such a thoughtful a thoughtful explanation of that so my last question and and I asked this question with no expectations that that people have made Any connections back to themselves as an educator so just thinking of thinking of your experience with with you know (coughs) red excuse me renovating this RV and and the travel are you do you make any connections back to yourself as an educator and education in general or is it is it purely as you mentioned before which is I think beautiful a true escape and it's like this has got nothing to do with myself as a teacher and I just want to keep it that way
0: yeah I think the build part was for sure escape, because we were just up to our eyeballs in in, in you know, tension with teaching and, and all of that kind of stuff. But I think once you get on the road, you can't help but be thoughtful and to think. And so my, my, my other passion, of course, is, is reading and literacy. Um, and and young adult fiction and, and middle grades fiction and, and, and you know the importance of diverse, diverse voices and representation in the books that we use in our classrooms and in our libraries. And so what ended up happening, uh, and I've kind of given the presentation a couple times, is uh, a conversation around um, like a reading road trip. So as I was driving across Canada and sort of considering all these things that had to do with reconciliation, there was also connections to a lot of the books that I happened to be picking up. And so I have uh, a presentation that I've given, like I said, a couple of times now that sort of talks about when I was here and this is what I was thinking about. This is what I was learning from the land. This is what I was learning from the book. And here's how these two things kind of connected in in my understanding of of things. So for me, it was very like, I don't know, you can't just, you can't take the teacher out of my brain. She lives there. (laughs) She wants to be making all those connections. And I don't think in the moment I was doing that, but then when I came back and I had all these like really interesting tie betweens, it just ended up funneling into, into sort of. Well, like,
1: and I mean, we, we try to make the experience of school not uh, something uh, detached from real life. It is real life. And so when you're doing things in real life, and it, it, it obviously is natural. Um, so my wife and I did a, a road trip, took my, my dad's vehicle back from Florida to Manitoba, uh, last month. And we, my wife said, well, we've got time in the car. So she found a book called coming of age in Mississippi. And we drove through Mississippi and listening to this book about this, uh, black woman's experience growing up in Mississippi in the 1950s and sixties. And it is kind of cool listening to this book as you're traveling through the state and the Southern states and, and looking around and trying to think about, okay, that, you know, that's how there these people would live differently and experience life much differently than I would. So, so I love that. And I also remember hearing about a college level course where you hop on a train and you travel this particular path and then you're all of the literature is connected to the place and then you'd stop there and then the professor would give you, you know, all kinds of other context throughout that. So I, I love that idea and I think that's powerful. So anyway, thank you uh, Tara for taking time to share that story. Um, and, uh, you can, if, if you could send me some of the the links to some of your, your stories and photos, I think just that way I can sh- we can share them and people can see uh, uh, up close and personal kind of what you went through. And I'll be watching because as soon as that van arrives, uh, I want you to make sure you keep documenting and sharing that story of, of this new build and the new adventures that you and Liam take.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been great. It's something I'm super excited to talk about and to share. It's funny because in the past, like, you see, like there's these amazing events, like the Pecha Kuchas or whatever, and people get up and they share their stories. And I'm like, I don't really have anything that, like, I'm sort of a boring person. Oh, and now know. that I've done this, I'm like, I have a thing that people are interested in. It's
1: it's just added. You're not boring at all. It just adds to more cool stuff from Tara. So thanks so much, and uh, have a great uh, rest of the school year and a good summer. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right.